Greetings, brothers and sisters, and welcome to the second topic of the Spiritual Awakening course that we will take together, Oneness. This is the most important topic of any spiritual awakening, because if you fully understand this concept, then you have perceived true reality, and all suffering ceases. But this is a very big subject, so I will cover the basic premises in this topic, and then I will link back to Oneness again in future topics with further examples and explanations. In the last topic, we talked about how there is our true self and there is a separate false self, the ego, that we have all chosen to create. By creating an individual egoic character, we have created a separation between us and others. Once you realize who you truly are, which is a divine and perfect being of light and love that is part of the one infinite creator, you realize that this is who everyone else is as well. Upon this realization is the individuality of the ego and the separation between you and others abolished, as we are all part of the creator, and the individual characters we are all playing are just illusions. So in this sense, you have begun to realize your oneness with others. But what about our oneness with the rest of the universe? What if I told you that everything in the universe is connected? What if I told you there is no such thing as space and time? What if I told you that you are one with every living being in the universe? Many religions, spiritual societies, scientists and philosophers have suggested that everything in the universe is connected and that there is no separation at all. Let's look at what some of them have said about oneness. Neoplatonism, named after the Greek philosopher Plato, proposed the existence of deep interconnections among all things, including what is normally viewed as the distinction between mental and physical phenomena. From the everyday, ego-based state of awareness, mind and matter appear to be fundamentally different, but from the rarefied state of gnosis, which provides direct access to higher states of existence, the apparent distinctions between mind and matter, or space and time, are revealed as illusions. That is, from our individual awareness, we see objects separated in space and time, and we see obvious differences between mental and physical phenomena. But from a higher state of consciousness, all such differences dissolve, and naked reality is experienced as entangled relationships in a holistic reality, completely free of the constraints of space or time. From a higher state of consciousness, you can directly perceive what the lower state of consciousness experiences as the future or the past, and you also transcend the distinctions that separate you from other objects, and by doing this, you can directly influence the physical world. So, in a domain without separation, you may theoretically become one with, say, a dark cloud and introduce the intention to rain. Or by becoming one with a friend, you could know your friend's thoughts and emotions. Hermetic cosmology, named after Hermes, the son of Greek god Zeus, contends that reality consists of a single universal consciousness. In Hermeticism, this single universal consciousness appears in two complementary aspects, like the two sides of the same coin. One form is a manifested, primordial, plastic energy known as the One Thing. The other form is a non-manifested, transcendent element known as the One Mind. The One Thing reacts to and is shaped by the One Mind. The One Mind only has the appearance of being different from the One Thing. Similarly, personal consciousness is not separate from the physical world. 2,000 years ago, the father of modern medicine, Hippocrates, observed there is one common flow, one common breathing. All things are in sympathy. The whole organism and each one of its parts are working in conjunction for the same purpose. The great principle extends to the extremist part, and from the extremist part, it returns to the great principle, to the one nature, being and not being. Roman emperor and philosopher Marcus Aurelius believed everything is connected and the web is holy. Albert Einstein said, 
a human being is part of the whole, called by us universe, a part limited in time and space. He experiences himself, his thoughts and feeling as something separated from the rest, a kind of optical delusion of his consciousness. When we begin to free ourselves from this prison, as Einstein phrased it, then we expand our consciousness to embrace all living creatures and the whole of nature. Our consciousness interacts with the energy of the universe. Indian Vedic philosophy holds that the great non-local universal consciousness is reflected in each of us. The analogy is that of buckets of water in which the sun is reflected. Though there are many different buckets, it is the same sun reflecting in all of them. The most important characteristic of the Eastern worldview, one could almost say the essence of it, is the awareness of the unity and mutual interrelation of all things and events, the experience of all phenomena in the world as manifestations of basic oneness. All things are seen as interdependent and inseparable parts of the cosmic whole, as different manifestations of the same ultimate reality. The Eastern, the Eastern traditions constantly refer to this ultimate indivisible reality which manifests itself in all things and of which all things are parts. It is called Brahman in Hinduism, Dhammakaya in Buddhism and Tao in Taoism. In ordinary life we are not aware of this unity of all things but divide the world into separate objects and events. This division is, of course, useful and necessary to cope with our everyday environment, but it is not a fundamental feature of reality. It is an abstraction devised by our discriminating and categorizing intellect. To believe that our abstract concepts of separate things and events are realities of nature is an illusion. Hindus and Buddhists tell us that this illusion is based on avidya, or ignorance produced by a mind under the spell of Maya, which means perceiving reality without the unity of Brahman underlying all forms. In Christianity, the Bible does reference the oneness of all things several times. For example, in the book of Corinthians, it says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. In the book of Ephesians, it says, One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Gnosticism is a religion based on sacred knowledge obtained only through the state of Gnosis, where an altered higher state of consciousness is achieved through meditation or psychedelics. They believe that all is God, for all consists of the substance of God. The Gospel of Thomas, for example, focuses on oneness seeing through the duality of the mainstream Jewish religion of the day. Within the esoteric worldview, there is no outside world, no separation, no time. Everything is already within consciousness, which is beyond ordinary space-time. Said another way, when the Indian sage Ramana Maharshi was asked, how are we to treat others? His reply was simple, there are no others. Many of those who have had near-death experiences or psychedelic experiences often report a sense of oneness and a sudden understanding that everything is connected. An example of such an experience will be shown in the link below. So what are these people all talking about? Where is the evidence for this oneness and interconnections of the universe? We certainly can't see or feel these connections, right? Most of us perceive our reality based on what our body senses allow us to perceive. Usually, things only exist to us if we can see, smell, taste, hear or touch it. This is because many of us believe we are our body, as we discussed in the last topic. By solely relying on the body senses, we perceive that we are separate from others, from things, from life, from God. We think there is a past and future, and space separating things in the universe. We believe life just happens to us, independent of our control. But what if our senses deceive us, 
Artifile bodies were designed to view an illusory experience. What if, like virtual reality, our bodies are perceiving something different to what is truly there? Just because we can't sense something, it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Can you feel or see gravity or magnetic fields? I remember in school when we thought we were hilarious by playing a high frequency tone from our phones that only those aged below 30 could hear. So the teachers never heard it. Just because they didn't hear it doesn't mean that the tone wasn't there. I will talk more about this in the next topic, a world of illusions. But it is worth initially asking ourselves these questions now in order to start this topic with a more open mind. Let's get into the scientific evidence of the oneness of the universe. We have been taught that the basic building blocks of everything in the universe are atoms and that atoms are made up of a nucleus with surrounding electrons. However, quantum physicists found that 99.99999% of an atom appears to be empty space. But this space isn't really empty. It's made up of a vast array of energetic frequencies that make up an invisible, interconnected field of information. In physics, this single field of information is called the unified field, or zero-point field, or etheric field. Like fishes in the sea, the pressure of this energetic fluid constantly surrounds us, though we do not normally notice its presence. As will be explained later in this topic, the ether fluid is a source of tremendous energy that is in constant vibrational motion, flowing through all objects in the universe, creating and recreating them every second. Should this ether ever stop flowing and swirling about with such an intelligent, purpose behaviour, all mass would shed heat, gradually dissolve and return to its primordial energy state. Even what we thought we knew as the physical parts of the atom, the nucleus and the electrons which make up 0.00001% of the atom, quantum theory has now proven that these particles simply dissolve into wave-like patterns of probabilities. And these patterns, ultimately, do not represent probabilities of physical things, but rather probabilities of interconnections. An elementary particle is not an independently existing entity. It is, in essence, a set of relationships that reach outward to other things. Quantum theory thus reveals a basic oneness of the universe, where the world appears as a complicated tissue of events, in which, in, in which connections of different kinds alternate or overlap or combine, and thereby determine the texture of the whole. It shows that we cannot de decompose the world into independently existing small, smallest units. As we penetrate into matter, nature does not show us any isolated basic building blocks, but rather appears as a complicated web of relations between various parts of the whole. So this new physics of the 21st century tells us that the very building blocks of mass, the atoms and molecules themselves, are not particles at all. Instead, they are ultimately nothing more than spherical whirlpools of energy in this flowing river of ether. With this matrix, all elements of the cosmos are very intimately and directly connected through synchronicity, as defined by Dr. Carl Jung, who said that every event in a particular space and time is fundamentally connected to every other event in that space and time. We therefore live in a harmonic universe built upon a unified, unseen foundation of conscious, loving energy, known as zero-point energy, or ether. Could this field of energy be what the Book of Acts in the Bible means when it says, God is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being? Scientists recently mapped out this cosmic web and it looks like the neural pathways in the brain. That is such a powerful analogy in itself, where the universe is one single brain, and the different beings, planets, stars and galaxies are simply different neurons, all connected to each other within this brain. I will show the pictures comparing the two now. 
So what is the proof that this etheric or zero-point energy field exists? How do we know it isn't, in fact, just empty space? Well, if these areas of the universe are truly empty, then nothing should be there. No electromagnetic fields, no x-rays, no heat, no energy, nothing. In order to test this idea in the laboratory, it was necessary to create an area that was completely free of air, so a vacuum and shield it from all known electromagnetic radiation fields. The shielding of this empty area from energy fields was accomplished by using what is known as a Faraday cage, which is lined with lead. This airless vacuum was then cooled down to absolute zero, the temperature well where all matter should stop vibrating and thus produce no heat. At this point, all conventional explanations would simply say that it should be a dead, lifeless vacuum. Then, inside that area, you take two perfectly flat metallic plates and move them very, very close to each other. What do you think would happen? We are quick to conclude that this simple experiment shouldn't do anything. However, under these circumstances, when the two plates are moved together, they will experience a terrific attraction that seems to pull them together with a tremendous amount of force. This is because when two plates are placed near each other, the zero-point waves between the plates are restricted to those that essentially span that gap. Since some wavelengths of the field are excluded, this leads to a disturbance in the equilibrium of the field, and the result is an imbalance of energy, with less energy in the gap between the plates than in the outside empty space. This greater energy density pushes the two metal plates together. This is what is known as the Casimir force, named after the man who discovered it, Dutch physicist Hendrik Casimir. This experimental effect also revealed that if you actually allow the two plates to completely merge, the force that binds them together is so powerful that you literally have to destroy them to get them back apart. Now think about that for a minute. How would one explain a force that could suck two plates together? Quantum scientists struggled with the question of why an electron orbits around a proton, like a planet orbiting around a sun. In the solar system, gravity accounts for the stable orbit, but in the atomic world, any moving electron which carries a charge wouldn't be stable like an orbiting planet, but would eventually radiate away or exhaust its energy and then spiral into the nucleus, causing the entire atomic structure of the object to collapse, as a satellite will eventually do in Earth orbit. But Timothy Boyer and Dr. Hal Puthoff showed mathematically that if you take into account the zero-point field, electrons lose and gain energy constantly from this field in a dynamic equilibrium, balanced exactly at the right orbit. Electrons get their energy to keep going without slowing down because they are refueling by tapping into these fluctuations of empty space. In other words, the zero-point field accounts for the stability of all matter. So all objects in our universe, regardless of their size, are constantly drawing in etheric energy to sustain their existence. Without this ongoing influx of energy to support themselves, they would shed heat and dissolve back into ether. Hal also showed by physics calculations that fluctuations of the zero-point field waves drive the motion of subatomic particles and that all the motion of all the particles in the universe in turn generates the zero-point field, a sort of self-generating feedback loop across the cosmos. This means that we and all the matter of the universe are literally connected to the furthest reaches of the cosmos through the zero-point field waves. Newton composed a series of laws, including the law of inertia, which can be explained simply as an object at rest tends to stay at rest, and an object in motion tends to stay in motion. And that means that even in an airless vacuum without gravity, you will encounter a force that will cause you to have difficulty moving something through space. So what exactly is that object moving through? Bernie, Ruder and Hal Puthoff published a paper in a very prestigious physical journal that demonstrated that the property of inertia possessed by all objects in the physical universe 
was simply resistance to being accelerated through the zero-point field. Therefore, if we consider the spiritual perspective of our living in one ultimate being, then we can see how this shows us that no matter where we go in the universe, we are always moving through the energy body of that being, drawing the energy of space along with us. Ordinarily, electrons repel each other and don't like to be pushed too closely together. However, you can tightly cluster electronic charge if you calculate in the zero-point field, which at some point will begin to push electrons together. This enables you to develop electronic applications in very tiny spaces. Hal and Ken began coming up with gadget applications that would use this energy and then patenting their discoveries. Eventually, they would invent a special device that could fit an x-ray device at the end of a hypodermic needle, enabling medics to take pictures of body parts in tiny crevices, and then a high-frequency signal generator radar device that would allow a radar to be generated from a source no larger than a plastic credit card. They would also be among the first to design a flat panel tunnel vision, the width of a hanging picture. All their patents were accepted with the explanation that the ultimate source of energy appears to be the zero-point radiation of the vacuum continuum. Spontaneous emission, where atoms decay and emit radiation for no known reason, has also been shown to be a zero-point field effect. All these experiments have demonstrated that the real currency of the universe, the very reason for its stability, is an exchange of energy. Our ultimate contention is that all of the fundamental fields, gravity, electromagnetism, weak nuclear and strong nuclear force, must emanate directly from the ether, a unifying force of sympathetic vibrations that forms all of physical reality as we now see it. Perthoff demonstrated mathematically how the zero-point field brought gravity together with the other forces of physics, such as nuclear energy and electromagnetism, into one unified theory. Consciousness is fundamentally interwoven with this process, but we will discuss this in a later topic called You Control Your Reality. French physicist Alan Aspect performed a famous quantum physics experiment in the early 1980s called the Bell Test Experiment. In this study, scientists entangled two photons, causing them to bond together. They then shot the two photons in opposite directions, creating a distance and space between them. When they influenced one photon to disappear, the other photon vanished at exactly the same time. What this showed was that there is a unifying field of information existing beyond three-dimensional space and time that connects all matter. If the two particles of light were not connected by some invisible field of energy, it would have taken time for information to travel from one local point in space to the other local points in space. According to Einstein's theory, if one particle disappeared, the other particle should disappear a moment later, unless they were occupying the same space at the same time. Even if the second photon was affected a millisecond later because they were separated by space, time would have played a factor in relaying the information. This would have reaffirmed that the ceiling of this physical reality is the speed of light, and everything material that exists here is separate. Because the two particles vanished at exactly the same time, it proved that all matter, bodies, people, things, objects, places, and even time, are connected by frequency and information in a realm beyond three-dimensional reality and time. Everything beyond the material is a unified in a state of oneness. The information was communicated between those two photons non-locally. Since there is no separation between two points of consciousness in the five-dimensional reality, there is no linear time, there is only all time. When Einstein introduced the equation E equals mc squared in his theory of special relativity, for the first time in the history of science he demonstrated from a math mathematical standpoint that energy and matter are re related. 
What converts matter to energy is the speed of light, which means anything material, traveling faster than the speed of light, leaves our three-dimensional reality and turns into immaterial energy. In other words, in the three-dimensional world, the speed of light is the threshold for matter or anything physical to retain its form. No thing can travel faster than the speed of light, not even information. Anything traveling from one point to the, to the other that is traveling slower than the speed of light is going to take time. Since the entangled photons had com communicated to each other instantaneously, which is faster than the speed of light, it showed that there is no time or separation between two points of consciousness because everything material becomes energy at that point. Since everything in the universe was once connected before creation into a single, small, dense point of energy, this means that everything in the universe now is connected through the cosmic web, where everything affects everything. Cleve Baxter conducted an experiment where he burned the leaf of a plant and then measured its galvanic response, much as he would register the skin response of a person being tested for lying. Interestingly enough, the plant registered the same increased stress polygraph response as a human would if his hand had been burned. Even more fascinating was that Baxter had burned the leaf of a neighbouring plant not connected to the equipment. The original plant, still hooked up to the polygraph, again registered the pain response that it had when its own leaves had been burned. This suggested that the first plant had received this information via some extrasensory mechanism and was demonstrating empathy. It seemed to point to some sort of interconnectedness between living things. The Baxter effect had also been seen between plants and animals. When brine shrimp in one location died suddenly, this fact seemed to instantly register with plants in another location as recorded on a standard psychogalvanic response instrument. Baxter had carried out this type of experiment over several hundred miles and in each instance some mysterious communication occurred between living things and plants. During a talk, Baxter revealed that he discovered that when he poured a pot of boiling water from the coffee maker into the sink in his laboratory, his plants which were always connected to the polygraph machine, registered a huge and immediate shock. Obviously, he was very puzzled as to what had caused this at first, and he had to think carefully about what he was doing right at the moment that the shock had registered. Once he traced it back to the boiling water, he sampled the sink with a cotton swab and analysed the specimen under his microscope. He then got the answer, which was that a huge colony of bacteria was growing in the sink which he, he did not clean regularly. Subsequent experiments proved that the plants consistently reacted to the death of the bacteria. Baxter conducted other experiments where he removed cheek cells from a part participant and stored them in a different room. Tailor-made emotional shocks were then carefully induced to the participant. What he found was that the cheek cells would demonstrate sudden responses that corresponded precisely with the timing of the emotional shocks induced to the participant. It wasn't necessarily easy to ethically shock a human being, so there was no standardised way to run the experiment. The tailored shocks were administered through such methods as the viewing of a violent movie footage that would have a particular emotional impact to that individual, such as a World War II fighter pilot veteran watching a film of an airplane being shot down. In such a case, as the ex-pilot squirmed in his chair, creating electromagnetic frequency changes in his galvanic skin response, his cheek cells would squirm in the next room in the same measurable way. Another example was leaving a young man in a room with a pornographic magazine and then barging into the room after he had started looking at it, creating a rush of embarrassment his cells showed the same response in the next room. Therefore, shocks and negative emotions in the mind are instantaneously moving throughout the cells of the body and affecting them, whether those cells are connected to the body or not. 
If space has no medium in it that allows consciousness to travel from one area to another, then how could all this be possible? The inescapable conclusion is that the zero-point field creates a medium enabling atoms and beings to speak to each other non-locally and instantaneously. Many humans have been noted as having extraordinary abilities such as psychokinesis, which is moving matter with your mind, precognition, seeing into the future, remote viewing, where a person can see within their minds a particular target that is inaccessible to normal senses due to distance or time, and levitation. While I will cover this interesting topic in much more depth in the next level of the course, it is important to consider it here as well. Ingo Swan had been hired by the CIA to use his re remote viewing abilities to help with secret defence operations for the USA. He was once asked to remote view Jupiter just before the upcoming NASA Pioneer 10 flyby launch. During the experiment, Swan was embarrassed to admit that he'd seen and drawn a ring around Jupiter. Perhaps he told Puthoff he'd just mistakenly directed his attention towards Saturn. No one was prepared to take the drawing seriously until the NASA mission revealed that Jupiter indeed had a ring at the time. Swan's experiment demonstrated that humans could, in effect, see or gain access to information at virtually any distance. The SRI remote viewing program carried on for 23, 23 years behind a wall of secrecy that is still erected. It had been funded entirely by the government. Many famous and Nobel Prize scientists worked in the program. At the close of the program in 1995, a review was carried out by a skeptic statistics professor and she agreed that the statistical results for remote viewing phenomena were far beyond what could have occurred by chance. It seemed to suggest that because of our constant dialogue with the zero-point field, we are everywhere at once. Dean Radin has conducted many experiments at the Institute for Noetic Sciences to show that our bodies register responses to events before they actually happen. He showed people random pictures, some were shocking, some beautiful, and some were not meant to initiate a response. The experiments showed that the bodies of the participants reacted to the pictures before they were actually shown. This further proves that we can interact with the etheric field to gather information, irrespective of time. This means that all time is one. There is no past or future, only the eternal now. At the most fundamental level, there has to be a medium through which consciousness can travel. But you don't necessarily need to have an extraordinary ability to see evidence for this oneness in your life. Have you ever had a dream that became true? Have you ever had the feeling that something bad was going to happen and then something bad happened soon after? Do you regularly notice the same numbers keep popping up in your life? I personally see the numbers 23 or 32 everywhere I look. Have you noticed certain events in your life lining up so perfectly? This is called synchronicity and it shows how everything is linked in our universe. Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung defines synchronicity as a meaningful coincidence of two or more events where something other than the probability of chance is involved. Einstein quipped, Synchronicity is God's way of remaining anonymous. Following on from the energetic nature of the universe, Giesink and Mayer found that the human electromagnetic field communicates bidirectionally with a global electromagnetic field via wave resonance and comprises a universal consciousness that experiences the sensations, perceptions, thoughts and emotions of every conscious being in the universe. Connect the dots between all the scientific findings and synchronicity suddenly doesn't seem mysterious at all. Frequencies may function as the resonators that entrain micro and macro events in synchronicity. Though we can't see these frequencies, they permeate both mind and matter. We swim in them as a fish swims in water unaware of the existence of the fundamental fields that shape consciousness and everything in the material world. The intercommunication between these levels of reality provides a plausible scientific explanation for synchronicity. 
Multidirectional intercommunication fields link us continuously, even if we are unaware of their existence. That linking is how all the unlikely components of anomalous events are able to assemble in, into synchronicities. After 9-11, the official estimate of the death toll, almost two weeks later from the New York Police Department, was 6,659. However, as the months went by and the story kept unfolding, the numbers kept dropping. The final death toll was 2,753. That's less than half the initial estimate. What explains such a huge disparity between the numbers? According to a careful analysis by the, uh, of the question by USA Today, many companies did headcounts after the attack. Counts from more than 40 floors indicate the buildings were barely half full. Where were the missing people? There are many reasons why people weren't in the World Trade Center that morning. When talking to survivors, some describe having been warned by intuition, dreams or precognition. Others experienced unexpected delays due to crowded trains or family problems. These synchronicities ended up saving their lives. Many have suggested that the ether itself provides the most tangible scientific way to define, explain and even engineer the mind of God. A Course in Miracles states, There is no time, no place, no state where God is absent. There is nothing to be feared. There is no way in which a gap could be conceived of in the wholeness that is his. Einstein said, Everyone who is seriously involved in the pursuit of science becomes convinced that some spirit is manifest in the laws of the universe, one that is vastly superior to that of man. Max Planck, a founding father of quantum physics, said, All matter originates and exists only by virtue of a force which brings the particles of an atom to vibration and holds this most minute solar system of the atom together. We must assume behind this force the existence of a conscious and intelligent mind. This mind is the matrix of all matter. Since we have discussed how we are connected to the zero-point field of the universe, we must also be connected to this conscious and intelligent mind. Gregory Maltov is a veteran physicist at the New York City College of Technology. He argues that our individual local mind may be linked to the non-local mind of the cosmos through a proto-conscious field that extends through all of space. In this model, the minds of stars might be controlling their orbital journeys through matter. The entire universe may be self-aware. But, but why would God, or Source, create separation when everything is one? Well, imagine for a moment that you are God, whole and one. You have the power to create, but you are lonely and want to experience everything you can. To create experiences is similar to creating a film, but the problem is that you, God, are the only actor. How can there be a film where you are the only character? So you must use different disguises and makeup to portray the illusion of different characters. But these characters must think they are separate from each other in order to have a rich experience. If the characters know they are the same being, it would be a pretty terrible film, like Jack and Jill, where Adam Sandler plays the two main characters, or being John Malkovich, where John Malkovich plays most of the characters. There have to be people who play the bad guys, the leaders, the good guys, the extras, the teachers, the love interests. If you didn't pretend you were all these different characters, there would be no film, no experience. Let us consider a different analogy, the video game. You decide to play a video game because you want to experience something, and so you play this game where you play different characters throughout. When a game is really good, you get really into it, losing yourself in it and forgetting who you are while playing. So it is with God. He must forget himself and absorb, absorb himself in illusions to have different and unique experiences. Like in acting, the more the actor believes they are the character, the more enriching the experience is. Many of those who have had near-death experiences have come back and told us how they interpreted the universe as God playing with itself. I will give an example of a certain account. 
that explains how uh, the universe is God playing with itself in the below link. It was explained very well in the law of one. Consider, if you will, that the universe is infinite. That which is infinite cannot be many, for manyness is a finite concept. To have infinity, you must identify or define that infinity as unity. Otherwise, the term does not have any meaning. In an infinite creator, there is only unity. You have seen simple examples of unity. You have seen the prism which shows all colours stemming from the sunlight. This is a simplistic example of unity. In truth, there is no right or wrong. There is no polarity, for all will be reconciled at some point in your dance through the mind-body-spirit complex, which you amuse yourself by distorting in various ways at this time. This distortion is not in any case necessary. It is chosen by each of you as an alternative to understanding the complete unity of thought, which binds all things. You are not speaking of similar or somewhat like entities or things. You are everything, every being, every motion, every event, every situation. You are unity. You are infinity. You are love-light, light-love. You are. This is the law of one. So in order to experience duality, good versus evil, left versus right, women versus men, peace versus war, poor versus rich, past versus future, there had to be the illusion of separation. But trying to see a gap that is not there will eventually lead to the realisation of its falseness and direct you to the true reality of oneness. Forgetting the truth can only be temporary until the character realises the falseness around them. Like in the Truman Show where Jim Carrey starts to realise that his life has just been a film that he has been starring in. Once the player of the video game feels they have had enough of the experience, they end the game and return to reality. So what do we do with all this information? How can we experience this oneness ourselves? We discussed in the last topic how creating a separate ego causes much suffering, and we shall discuss in the next topic, A World of Illusions, how all suffering comes from believing the idea of separation. And so, when you realise that all is one, your perception of the world changes and all suffering ceases. However, the challenge of the game that we call life is how to perceive this oneness when the senses are telling us that everything is separated. While synchronicities can show you evidence of the oneness of the universe, it is the conscious acts of love that allow you to feel this oneness within you in your everyday life. Matter is very dense, and because of its density, it vibrates at the slowest frequency in the universe. As you raise matter's frequency by speeding it up faster and faster, matter, as we know it, dematerializes into energy. At some point, just beyond the visible light spectrum, above the realm of duality and polarity, any information about matter converts to more unified energy. The higher the frequency, the more orderly and coherent the energy becomes. At this level of frequency and energy, duality and polarity unify to become one. We call this love or wholeness because there is no longer any division or separation. When all is ultimately a unified field of energy and that energy is ultimately conscious, then we are all part of this vast interconnected oneness. So the more loving you become for yourself and for others, the more this causes you to strengthen your vibrational fusion with the energy of creation. Love is therefore the tendency for entities within the unified field, whether human, particle or otherwise, to increasingly radiate harmonic unity through vibrational motion. Love is a radiating, strengthening, unifying force moving towards the central point of oneness. Love, instead of being a vague, esoteric concept, becomes simply the tendency for the ether to vibrate in greater harmony with unity. We will explore more about what true universal love is and how to unconditionally love yourself and others in a later topic in this course. Einstein assigned the highest possible speed of matter or energy vibration in the universe to light. Therefore, light could be seen as the ultimate way to describe etheric vibrations, 
to give the ether a simple unifying identity. We have already suggested that love is simply the tendency for the etheric medium to vibrate in greater unity with oneness. And now we can add to this the, the idea that light is the highest vibration of the ether that we can see. Therefore, light and love are interchangeable terms. Both represent a vibration of the etheric energy that is in greater unity with oneness. Remember in the last topic, we discussed how our true selves are perfect beings of love and light. When you discover your true self and align with it, the more you feel at one with the universe. In the book of Colossians in the Bible, it perfectly summarizes this by saying, and above all, love binds everything together in perfect harmony. The law of one confirms this by saying, let us remember that we are all one. This is the great learn learning teaching. In this unity lies love. This is a great learned teaching. In this unity lies light. This is the fundamental teaching of all planes of existence in materialization. Unity, love, light and joy. This is the heart of evolution of the spirit. If you speed up matter really fast, eventually it would be vibrating so fast as a frequency that it would exist as a straight line. Infinite frequencies exist in that line, which means infinite possibilities exist there as well. This is the zero-point field, or the point of sing singularity of the quantum, an omnipresent universal field of information that exists as energy and frequency, that observing all of reality into order from a, from a single point. We would call this the mind of God, unity consciousness, source energy, or whatever term you want to use to define the self-organizing principle of the universe. This is the place where all potentials or possibilities exist as a thought. The ultimate source of a loving intelligence and an intelligent love that is, that is observing all of the, this physical reality into form. The more you can surrender to it, move closer to it and become one with it, the less separation and lack you feel, and thus the more wholeness and oneness you experience. When you as an awareness unfold into this infinite realm of possibilities, you begin to feel connected to the consciousness of everyone, everywhere, everything, in every time. Whereas in our three-dimensional reality, space is infinite, in the quantum world, time is infinite. If time is infinite and eternal, it's no longer linear, meaning there is no separation of past or future. With no past or future, everything is happening right now, in this eternal present moment. In the material reality, you experience the environment with your body, your senses and time. Time appears linear because you are separated from objects, things, people and places, as well as the past and the future. And so it takes time to travel from one thing to another. In the quantum world, however, you experience this realm with your awareness, as a consciousness, not as a body with senses. This realm exists beyond your senses. As your consciousness begins to merge with the consciousness and energy of the unified field, you will go from the consciousness of somebody to the consciousness of everybody, from the consciousness of someone to the consciousness of everyone, from the consciousness of something to the consciousness of everything, from the consciousness of somewhere to the consciousness of everywhere, and from the consciousness of some time to the consciousness of being in every time. You access this domain when you are totally in the present moment, so there is no past or future, just one long now. When your awareness is beyond the realm of matter, because you have taken all your attention off matter, you can become aware of different frequencies all carrying information, and these frequencies allow you to have access to different unknown dimensions. To experience oneness, you keep placing your attention on the unified field, not with your sense, but with your awareness. As you change your consciousness, you raise your energy. The more you become aware of this invisible field, the more you're moving further away from the separation of matter and closer to oneness. The best way to be in the present moment, shut off from physical reality and connect with this, the field is through meditation. When in this state you experience pure joy, you are able to consciously affect other things in the universe. You are able to access unique information and you are able to be your true self.
But trying to perceive oneness in our everyday lives can be difficult, particularly when our senses only perceive separation. We can easily get sucked into material reality and forget our divine connection with everything and everyone around us. I myself struggled with this at the beginning. So I wanted to just give you a couple of tips that helped me perceive oneness. The eyes are the window to the soul, and at the soul level, we are all the same. In this case, the soul I am talking about is the one consciousness that pervades all life. This one consciousness is peering out of every living being's eyes. A good way to see oneness is to stare into the centre of the eyes of a being that is at rest and at peace or happy, because that is when they are most aligned with their divine nature. If they are not at peace, then they are likely lost in thoughts and not aligning with their true self. Also, when you look into the eyes of someone, you can see your reflection in them, further emphasising that you are looking at yourself and there is no separation between you and the other. Try focusing on a loved one's eyes or a pet's eyes without thinking anything. Notice how you feel. Alternatively, look at your own eyes in the mirror. Feel the divine consciousness within you. Creating your own reality through manifestations is another good sign of how everything is linked in the universe. We will discuss how to do this in a later topic called You Control Your Reality, so stay tuned. Thank you for watching. I hope this has opened your eyes to the magnificence of the oneness of the universe. Let me know if you have any questions or comments below. If you'd like to find out about the free spiritual support or healing sessions that I do, then please visit my website on www.highvibeliving.co.uk.